What is up, everyone? It is April 23rd, 2019. Welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and joining me as always is Luke Monger of Dogman and Jackson Garner of Coog Fan. So we've got one of the best days in football coming up on the 25th, the NFL Draft. I mean, that's what everybody is talking about. And you know, I was scrolling through my social media feed, and I saw a very cringe-worthy post about Andre Dillard. He's going to be a first-round pick, but here's what the post says. Andre Dillard had four offers out of high school, WSU, Idaho, Portland State, and Eastern Washington. Doesn't even rank as one of WSU's top 250 signings ever, <laughs> wasn't even a top 500 recruit in the nation, and in five days, he's going to be a top 15 pick in the draft. Stars and rankings aren't everything. Jackson, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? First and foremost, shout out to Jamie Vinnick. Just newest, I don't want to name drop. <laughs> you already I, did. I've had people. <laughs> well, I did. I, I had uh, newest, Jim Moore never Coug- to name drop people. So uh, n- newest member of Coog fan uh, is is taking over as the hoops writer, pinch hitting a little bit on football, doing a little bit of everything. So uh, congrats to Jamie. That he was the author of that tweet. Um, so I will name drop. So original. What was the question again? I'm sorry. Just what are your thoughts on that? I just want to hear like, do you like it? Do you not? Do you think it's stealing? I mean, uh, yeah, no, I think it's. I, th- I mean, is it, it's is it cliche? Yeah, like stars, but that it's true that stars don't really mean all that much. Like, so, and so, and the sky is blue. I mean, we, we, here's the thing: we need to move on from the sad sack storyline right now. I don't want this following him to the NFL. I, like, he's going to make Pro Bowls. Uh, all right, I don't what? want this coming that up. He's that he was. You know, oh, no, yeah, yeah. he had no that, star, or was like a two-star or whatever. He was, he was an all-state player. There's so many guys in the NFL like that. D1 offers. This this stuff, it's it's going to come up when we talk about college recruiting yeah. and, and success stories. But there's so many guys like that. His football legacy is much bigger than this now. He's going to be way bigger in the NFL. He has outgrown this narrative. It's, I mean, what? Is, that, is Stephen Curry? Is Stephen Curry an underdog too because he was a seventh overall pick and teens passing him? Like, these guys are good. So be it. Let them be good. Well, I know. I'm just saying for a national audience, it is much more like that is more of a nar- compelling narrative that he was, you know, I think he was a two star. I don't know if he was, he was a three star. Most, was he a three star? No, I yeah. thought he was a two. No, he was a three star. What kind and- of three star athlete only has an <laughs> offer from Idaho, Eastern Washington and Portland? Literally, and the WC. only reason. WCU came late. WCU came very late. Why he was overlooked out of high school was because he was 240 pounds. Exactly. Schools knew about his talent. They knew about no, they his, didn't. his athleticism. They didn't. But they weren't going to offer a 6'5", 240-pound tackle. Teams do that all the time. That wasn't the move. That, that's, teams do that. If he was 295, he'd have U-Dub the whole Pac-12 chasing him at that time. Not, you want, not go, 240. Go look, not back, go look at a picture of Trey Adams when he walked into UW. He was probably, I mean, granted, he was 6'7", but the dude was a twit. He was 6'8", yeah. Well, wasn't, look, wasn't he like 265, 270? at least when he came to UW? Probably, they probably what they listed him at and maybe he was I mean but granted 6'7", six, 6'8", six, like yeah you'll get a you'll get an additional 10, 15 pounds off that kind of that extra height. Yeah I need to look it up right now. Uh, but- and I mean even whatever they listed him at like I'm sure they listed Andre higher than what he actually was. I'm just saying teams teams will take in guys who are twigs but have the frame have the framework to put on the pounds all the time. The fact of the matter is, they he was very underlooked coming out of high. No, it wasn't. A, he wasn't a guy that everyone knew about, but just wasn't going to get the offer because he was too small. 
No one knew about him. Both both Caleb and Trey were 6'7", 270 on their recruiting profiles. Much different, much worth. different. <laughs> yes, for, for whatever that's worth, I think, is, is the most important, important Probably not right much, there. but... Yes. Yeah. I, w- I would c- concur. Hey, uh, Trey Adams was only offered by two players, if we want to start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, who, wait, who, are the other, who are the other offers for him? It was Washington and Washington State. Boom. Dude. Point in case. Hey, hey uh, Jackson, <laughs> do you know where uh, Trey Adams came from? Uh, Wenatchee. Yeah. Best of course. Pop football hotbed out in Central Washington. Right? Producing lots of D1 talent. From from the high school that brought you Cody O'Connell and Trey Adams, <laughs> you know I I but what's I, in the water in Wenatchee? Whoa! <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to say that it is the most it, for for a national audience that is the most compelling storyline because it's true, however cliche it is, and, and to this day people still invest in the stars, which I have no problem against because we directly profit off that investment. <laughs> um, so I mean I you know I don't care we, let's pipe up these stars for as long as football continues like I'm getting you, paid off that you want to talk about uh, hyping up stars or piping them up whatever how you described it Andre Dillard is projected to actually go number one in the NFL draft according to oh, the yeah. super reliable Athlon Sports look this blew my mind I mean there's two ways you can look at this all right. It's actually a reasonable scenario where, you know, protecting Josh Rosen's blindside, it makes sense on paper, get the best pass blocker in the draft, or just clickbait. I, actually, you know what? I'm leaning towards the second option. And right I now. would lean towards the latter. Um, <laughs> I, I just like, from everything that we've heard out of Arizona's camp about how much they're completely disinterested in Josh Rosen, like, I would be very surprised if Kyler Murray wasn't the first, wasn't the first pick. Um and even then, it's like there are some names, you know, ahead of ahead of Andre that that you would say, "Wow, I, you know, if you're, you know, if there really is a positional need like that, I would just, I, I would just find unlikely that they would not trade that first overall pick to someone who actually wants to go get one of the eight, one of the top ten teams that actually want to go get." Kyler Murray. So I, I just there's just not that's not going to happen. He's not going to be the first overall pick. That was entirely clickbait. Um, although I, you know, I I did enjoy reading that. You know, something <laughs> there is a part of me who is just like, it, yeah, it caught our attention. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's Andre an, first overall. It's a nice thought. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. Like, yeah. drafting Andre Dillard sounds really soothing on paper. You know, you got your franchise left tackle. Plug him in. A decade plus of hard work and good work ethic. But, of course, we know that's not how it works. Jackson, I want to make a bet with you right now, not on his on-field playing, but just for this Thursday, uh, okay. on whether or not he's going to dress exuberantly because he'll be the only player from uh, our camp I just think Washington. I just think he's he's too reserved. He's too reserved I agree. to, I was to hoping really that he would go be... out and... No, I want him to, as I made clear last week. I really do want him to. But I just don't think it's going to happen. What, um, do you define, be, what a pleasant what do you surprise define as exuberant? it would be. Um, I, I, you know, like I'm saying it has to be exuberant, like now, of, according to, to today's standards of fashion, like something that is just completely like wild and like, wow, I have like, that is not what I expected. Like glasses you know, with no lenses in them. Th- no, that's, that's too, <laughs> that's, that's too 
you know, that's I wouldn't say it's Main Street, but that's that's too expected. I'm talking that, like we've seen that in too something. many press conferences and NBA players walking into the arena now. What what I'm talking about is like if he showed up in like traditional African like like you know you know what I'm talking about like something just like completely out of left field where you're just like wow what about that uh, is a fashion statement right what about there. suit shorts Andre Diller showing off the calves yeah okay that would be <laughs> that would be up there with a with a fashion statement I'm not saying it has to be a good fashion statement either like I'm just saying a statement that I would love that personally yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about at- a guy who in ninth grade would have probably just rather played video games than sports. He did. So like he, he said, he's on the record of saying that he wanted he yeah. he just played football because his friends did. <laughs> That's, yeah, you didn't really you didn't really like it too much. Yeah, but uh, I think there's one thing that we can agree on right now, and, and that is he will have a fresh haircut. I don't yes. see him going with a buzz. He'll look. be looking good. <laughs> yeah. He'll be looking sharp. He'll be looking six um, six with that with that haircut. <laughs> yeah, you know Andre Dillard. He's not the only prospect coming out of state of Washington. We've also got one more in Byron Murphy, you know, going in the first round. But Byron Murphy, I believe he's a little bit different from previous Husky first-round picks. With John Ross, you basically got UW saying, hey, you want the fastest man to literally ever play football? Like, here you go, top 10 pick. I really wish Al Davis was alive for that draft. (laughs) It's been about a decade, right? Aren't we coming up with the 10-year anniversary? Uh, God, I I don't even know. Probably, I would assume so. Well, then you got Vita Vea, like what, the next year? I mean, 6'4", 350-pound ass kicker that can run like a sub-540. I mean, you, you, ten top 10 pick, here you go. But with Byron Murphy, like, given the worries about his size, I mean, pure straight-line speed, 4 for 5 is nothing like, to write home about. I mean, UW can't flaunt him as much as they could previous first-rounders. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's kind of interesting about Byron versus Vita or John Ross is that he doesn't have kind of that calling card attribute that John had with his 422-40 and Vita with being a 350-pound athletic freak in the interior. Uh, so while a lot of those guys, I think, were drafted kind of on their projection, or that's why they were able to climb into like the guaranteed first round early draft choice, while Byron is kind of floating more towards that end of the first round, uh, is because there's nothing really projectable about him like the team that's going to pick him is is picking him to be a plug and play uh starter um and like you said i mean there's nothing super exciting necessarily about his measurables but more just what he actually has proven he's able to do on the field and if if i might if i might add i think mm-hmm. what also differentiates them and and micah you kind of phrased the question in an interesting way that like maybe not he's not necessarily um a positional need but best available i think it's the exact opposite of that i, I feel like there are definitely, if you want to look at just like a big board, like there are guys who you might say are better than Byron Murphy in in the best available category. But a team who really does see a positional need would be the one to take him in the first round. Like I don't think he is he is a best available pick. I feel like he is definitely a a need pick. You know, and, and when you're at the bottom of the first round and you've been to the playoffs. Uh, you can uh, you can look mm-hmm. at uh, hit mobility and say that's good enough for us. We we need a corner right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, is there? Is, I mean, we know he's going to get uh, picked at the bottom of the first round. I don't think anybody's expecting mm-hmm. the top half at this point. You know, it's just not realistic. What's a team that could fall in love with him and take him like twenty through thirty two at that point? Yeah, I think the team that there there are two teams that I'm seeing most in mock drafts for Byron Murphy. The first and the earliest pick is the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
looking for a guy in coverage. At 20, right? Yeah, at 20. And then the other one at 29 is the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which would be funny because Kansas City's had success in the past with Washington corners, although Marcus Peters only played like seven games for Jimmy Lee. Yeah, he wasn't an off-the-field success story. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, those are the two that I think have been kind of most common for Byron. And uh, I think, I mean, kind of both make sense. Both kind of offensive juggernauts. Byron Murphy's a guy you can plug in and hopefully immediately make your defense better, or at least from the outset, be a contributor. And they're, once again, like you said, kind of teams that are competing uh, for the postseason, year in and year out, and they're looking to draft for needs rather than trying to build for the future by picking the best available posi- or player. Hey, we're calling first-round picks right now. You might as well go back to Andre Dillard. I mean, Jackson, do you have like a stone-cold look right now? Like like this is, this is where he belongs? Uh... I don't know if I necessarily believe where he belongs, but I do <laughs> think with conviction I know where he will go. Um, top and 10? that would be, yes, top 10, and that wow. would be number nine overall to the Buffalo the Bills. Bills. Okay. Poor guy. Do, you think, do you think Dillard would care like that he just got picked at his team? Uh, I That's a good question. I don't know how Andre personally feels about going to Buffalo um, to play football, but what I do know is is that they sent the full brass to uh, Washington State's spring or uh, pro day? The best they okay. brought the day. I mean, they brought the GM, offensive coordinator. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know if you guys would know this, but if anyone would like to correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the director of uh, player personnel was there as well. So yeah, I saw Andre talk about sent, that. He said he was really impressed by that. They sent a lot of guys to come check out Andre and, um, I'm not exa- I'm not sure if he's had other meetings with them as well, but I would I would not be surprised if he has. I think there is a strong probability that they're looking to uh, protect Josh Allen and, and go with Andre at number nine overall. I think it'll be interesting if uh, is Jonah Williams correct. That's the Alabama lineman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's looking um, later than Andre at this point. Yeah, well, I, that, and that's what a lot of people are saying. I'm interested to see if he actually, if Andre is actually the first uh, offensive line or left tackle off the board, and what teams kind of see if if they do kind of grade out uh, Jonah Williams higher than Andre. I'm interested to see that. Yeah, but um, well, I, I'm going, I'm going nine overall to the Buffalo Bills. What's interesting about the Bills to me that, and, and obviously, I, I think that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even explaining it, but like, wasn't there at one point people were like, oh, uh, Andre Dillard, since he played at Washington State, might not actually be able to block the run, you know? And like, obviously, the future future of the Bills is obviously with Josh Allen, but they still don't have a super exciting receiving core, even though they added Cole Beasley, and they have like LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, so... It, just the two, the, the two oldest running backs in the league, yeah. Yeah, but those are guys that like both are volume kind of – so I, I just mm-hmm. think that's an interesting fit. I think it could be exciting, and obviously I think uh, NFL GMs are smart enough to look past the fact that just because yeah. you play for a team that throws it a lot means – Yeah, no, I think that I think that is the, the idea that um, Andre isn't a good run blocker is kind of this false equivalence fallacy where it's like, oh, well, they pass a lot and they don't run a lot. Therefore, he can't run block. Like, Andre is without a doubt the most athletic offensive lineman in the class. I I think whether he is not up to par with what they would like from a top 10 offensive lineman in the run blocking department, 
he is certainly equipped with the tools to develop into what they want him to be as a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Like that uh, the athleticism he has gives him so much area to grow and and, and become the offensive lineman that e- that any team would want him to be. So I just think that you know, as you're saying, that th- that is just kind of a ridiculous statement and, and very much kind of a false equivalence fallacy. There's been a lot of public declarations from NFL players about not wanting to go to Buffalo. I mean, they tried yeah. to get Antonio Brown there, and he's like, "Hell no, nah, that ain't happening." Yeah, and then and and, and I don't blame thing, him. Quite frankly, here's the thing: like getting drafted. <laughs> Granted, to the I've NFL, never been to Buffalo. <laughs> I I think it's more just the organization at this point, and like they're not too happy uh. about the management of it and the setting. But if you're a rookie NFL player, no matter where you go, you're gonna be excited because you're going to the NFL. But It'd be kind of cool if Andre Diller could go to like the Chargers or you know, a nice city and uh, and or maybe a historical franchise like Green Bay. Like Buffalo is kind of the worst of a really, really, really good situation. But that's what happens when you get picked top ten. And at least he's not going to the Raiders or some yeah. really kind of broken organization. Uh, so you know, looking into the next round, uh, there are rumors that you know Taylor Rapp, uh, Caleb McGarry could go. Hey, here's the thing: um, the Seahawks. Uh, there's been some mock drafts saying that Taylor Rapps go to the Seahawks. And that sounds really cool on paper, but I mean, I I am one of those uh, haters that don't like Taylor Rapp's forty, and therefore I want the Seahawks to avoid them. Uh, mm. Do you think that's just a dream matchup, or do you think that's something that really? could uh, the Seahawks are considering right now, getting Taylor Rapp in the first round? Well, I, I'm sure they'd consider it. I, I don't know if he would be their first choice. Um, but that's just because I, I haven't been obviously in their war room or discussing anything about the draft. But I I don't think that the Seahawks would be a team that would be discouraged. Uh, by his um, four seven nine forty times. Yeah, I mean, J- Jimmy Lake had an interesting quote about it that was basically like, you know, like teams that think that uh, football team or that football games are played in a straight line, not wearing pads, like are welcome to devalue Taylor Rapp based on his forty time. But other teams should probably consider watching what he did. And so I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, <laughs> my my NFL my level of NFL knowledge does not quite compare to my level of college knowledge. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I have a firm grasp on what the res- or what the Seahawks are going to be looking to do, but I know that they could probably uh, use another safety um, to replace either like Tedrick Thompson. I, 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 I find myself to be a, a McDougald fan. Uh, however, I think that <laughs> Taylor Rapp, Taylor Rapp, I think would have a spot there. It's just whether or not they want that or if they want to actually go get a receiver with kind of what's going on with Doug and all that stuff. But we don't really need it. Like, I don't want to get too much into the Hawks. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think what's probably more likely than the Seahawks drafting him in the first round is probably, you know, trading a trade, which lands them somewhere in the second round. And then yeah. that's where they land Taylor Rapp. Like, I don't see him going in the first round. Um, and, and you know, no. I've watched Taylor Rapp play a, a good deal of football, and he is a phenomenal safety. I think the the Seahawks would be very fortunate to have him, but I don't see him a, as a first round pick. And, and yeah. you know, take take my word for a grain of salt because I I am not in these these war rooms, and I I don't know that. But for sure, I, that well, would I mean, be my I, I think history would tell you that the Seahawks will trade down. And yeah, yeah, yes, yes, it would. Between between even with only four picks right now, between their history of trading down and the Frank Clark stuff going on, I think you could <laughs> bet that they'll have a second round draft choice. Uh, yeah, I think that's just a safe assumption. So Jake Browning, I mean, we know he's got the intelligence. We know that he's a winner, and suddenly he has his rocket arm that's all hyped right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> if he is, and, and it's a big if, like if he really does have that type of ability, you know, 6'2", 210 pounds, I think a team could take a day three flyer on him if uh, if he uh, if you if if what yeah. he's showing right now is legit. Oh, I 100% agree. I refuse. I actually, I need to go back and look at like what how much liabilities or like how many dollars in liabilities I have if Jake Browning doesn't get drafted. <laughs> I think I've made quite a few bets. <laughs> but the fact that so like, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of I tend to agree with what Micah just said. You know, he won 39 games at UW. Uh, he has done what he like has been asked of him this offseason like his biggest knock has been his arm accurate or like his arm strength uh he has made apparently notable strides in that department uh both at the combine and the husky pro day and all that stuff um i just i I don't know i mean i just can't imagine that a good team in the sixth or seventh round that has a veteran quarterback wouldn't just be like you know what let's just uh get like a backup quarterback that we can pay $450,000 a year that can come in and hand the ball off if someone gets hurt and uh, maybe could season him into something in the long run. I mean, because the fact of the matter is, I mean, there there have been late round quarterbacks that have worked out and there also have been recent examples of quarterbacks that have not had supreme arm talent uh, going deep. And obviously those tend to be like obviously Peyton Manning when he was at the end of his Mm -hmm. career or Tom Brady most recently. Uh, Will Jake Browning ever get to that point? I mean, I'm not going to say no, but <laughs> yeah, but th- that's obviously more of a factor of them kind of being like the elder statesman of the league. Just the fact that I think the fact of the matter is he's done what people have asked him to do. There have been examples of teams winning uh, with quarterbacks that don't have supreme arm talent and he won't need supreme arm talent this year because no one's going to draft him to play uh, in 2019. Yeah. Well, here's something to consider. A- and I would like to see Jake Browning get drafted for the sake of Luke's money, but does Jake, Brown, does Jake Browning want to get drafted? I think is a question to consider. I mean, that's crazy. I'd say man. it's that's pretty. Crazy talk. No, no, I don't think it's crazy talk. I think it's it's very logical talk. Actually, um, d- obviously, we're looking at Jake Browning being a, a third day guy in the draft, but and then uh, once you get to that third day, you kind of weigh the options of. Do I want to get do I want the the satisfaction of being drafted which obviously I mean no one can take that away from you that's an off that's an awesome feeling that um I will certainly never know and, and most of us will never know but the option of getting to choose the situation you're going to as an undrafted okay, free okay, agent is very slept on and I think in Jake Browning's situation that would be huge if he got a couple of options to choose about what he feels is right and, and the team that he felt uh, he gelled with the best. I feel like that would that would do wonders for him in terms of any longevity towards his NFL career, getting somewhere where where he feels comfortable, he feels the team and and, and the schemes fit with him. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like that's you know that's pretty reasonable to think. Yeah, I think that's reasonable as well. The, I was going to say the one thing, and I I don't know enough about the CBA or any, any of those Mm -hmm. rules. Um, but the one thing might just be like, I'm looking at an article right now that says the average difference in salary for a seventh rounder versus an undrafted free agent that makes a team is like $75,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe the, the finance major in Jake Browning is appealed to that or to go get that money. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, I don't know. 
It's interesting. I mean, it's funny. You talk about, I mean, for, I don't know, maybe Tom Brady who takes pay cuts every year, $75,000 isn't anything. But yeah. for a guy who might only play two or three years in the NFL, yeah, and that's, but that's thousand dollars. That's kind of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm saying is that that right fit could be the difference of of two years opposed to three years in the league, or hmm. or two to four years in the league. Like getting that right fit could be what keeps him around longer, which ultimately would make him more money. Um, so I think either way you really look at it, if you're Jake Browning, you know. It's a win-win. I mean, obviously, if you get drafted, that's great. You know, a team wanted you. They wanted you enough to draft you. So that's, that's you know, that tells you they, they want you. But also, if you don't get drafted, you get to choose the situation you get to go to. And there are, I would be willing to bet there are more than one teams that actually want Jake Browning. And I, I feel like a lot of, you know, my Cougar followers and stuff like that will probably think that's insane. Um <laughs> But, you know, I believe it's true. I think Jake Browning's a good quarterback. Um, yeah. Hot Jackson, take I, th- right I, th- I thought, I <laughs> yeah. thought you might be uh, hinting that Jake Browning might not want to play football anymore and so he doesn't get drafted. No. Well, that's okay. I'll just go no, keep going. No, not at all. I think, dude, I think it'd be hilarious is that if you got like a $400,000 something a year salary in the NFL, then a Fortune 500 company calls him and says, hey, we like what you've done academically. We think that you would be a great addition to our company. Here's more than that. Or And, and that's an insane starting salary. I think it'd be hilarious See, I, if they offered like more, more longevity. I, and <laughs> Jake Browning leading the 2045 Huskies to their third straight national championship. <laughs> that's yeah. my career on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh. Well, well played, Luke. Well played. Uh, so Gardner Minshew apparently scored a 42 on the Wonder League test, which is, uh, I think, the second Pretty best at the high. combine. Yeah. What, what yeah. does a 42 mean? Is that like 42 I, out of 50 no or 42 I think, 50? I, have, I, have, I think it's a 42 out of 50. I think it's a 42 out of 50. I have zero clue. That's hilarious. I just pulled that on my ass. I don't, I don't really know what that stands for. That's but, interesting. Uh, okay. Um, does that make – so, I mean, we know he's football smart and – He's definitely socially smart. I mean, I I guess you could say that's charisma more than anything else. But apparently, he's also book smart. Like, wh- what? Where did this come from? I mean, like, how, like, yeah, we didn't know that he was this smart you know, going into this. You know what I think is the most interesting about all this is, um, and it's it's really not. It's a very loose connection here. But I, I you guys recall when when Gardner Minshew did the uh, kind of the the Fitz Magic uh, persona. He started wearing the shades after. The, uh, um, the, yeah, after uh, wasn't the, that like after, the bowl game? No, it was. I think Utah. I think after okay, the Utah okay. win is when he started <laughs> the Fitz Magic persona. And you know who he got that from, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, but you know who or Fitzpatrick got that from? Who? Conor McGregor. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, obviously the look. Yeah, of course. I, but I, uh, I mean, but I was talking about like. The he he stole that before. <laughs> you know who also scored incredibly well under the one on the Wonderlick? Harvard graduate Ryan Fitzpatrick, who scored a forty-eight. Oh. So we have two connections to Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick and uh, uh, Gardner Minshew. I think that is fantastic. What, what I think is interesting is the, the commentary here on uh, standardized testing. I, I think that this might be the Wonderlick, especially for quarterbacks might not be an example of how standardized testing isn't the best measure of um someone's like I, I'm not saying the standardized yeah. Te- yeah I'm not saying that like or, like I, I think it's per- probably fair to art like make the argument that standardized testing isn't always the greatest um assessment mm-hmm. of someone's intelligence 
maybe for quarterbacks it is though because quarterbacks have to be cunning you know and kind of be able to have to work the system so i think that, that although i will say um i would love to see kind of the the top wonderlook scores here of all and, time and here wait okay wait i think i might have them the internet give me might. one second yeah the, yeah that's definitely what I, i'm going okay so here are the here are the top quarterback wonderlook scores of all time we have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, highest at 48, tied with Greg McElroy at 48. And then your next one will be Jason Moss at 43, and then Blaine Gabbert and Drew Henson at 42. So I by this, it would... Oh, and then Hugh Millen at 40, 41. Oh, there yeah. There you go. <laughs> good, good for Hugh. Um, so... Gardner Minshew walks into the NFL as, let's see, tied tied for the fourth highest Wonderlook ever scored as a QB. But with that being said, the highest Wonderlook scores here have not necessarily translated to great success. I mean, a couple of these guys, I'm just like barely, like Drew Henson, I feel like I just barely know that name. I know Blaine Gabbert. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick. Greg Mc, Greg McElroy. Um, I feel like I know the name, but I don't know who that is. Yeah, I think you went and to Alabama. Jason 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 Moss. I, I I don't know who that is. Um, Drew Henson, yeah. Magic Major your, League Baseball is, is the, the headliner there. Huh? No, oh, yeah. Oh, obviously Fitzmagic yeah. is 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 the headliner here. Um, but yeah, I I I find it fascinating the more connections we can make. To uh, from Gardner Minshew to to Ryan Fitzpatrick. What what it. did Gardner study in college? I mean, he it was a throwaway year; it didn't mean anything because I, I, he's a grad uh, transfer. We usually when Underwater they kind of have, I, I I have no clue to be honest with you. Um, I, I think I was going to say UW. You can make the over like this is obviously a, a generalization, but most grad mm-hmm. transfers or graduate students do like a sports management graduate. Do like yeah, it's like a, it's like a sports like leadership uh, program. Where it's like you don't do a lot of school and a lot of football, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he if he did that or not, but kind of solidified the original major they had. And this has nothing to do with the NFL draft, but it's a question that I need answered. Do girls at UW like Jake Browning the same way that girls at WSU like Garner Minshew? Because it's well known Garner Minshew's like I think- his, his his sex appeal, his sex icon. In WSU's community, is that is it same thing in, in UW? I th- I think probably not. Like I don't really yeah. know, but I I just think that Gar- Gardner Minshew is such an anomaly. You could say like yeah, I you know what yeah. I mean. I, I think that no, for it'd sure. just be it's unfair. It's an unfair comparison. It's like comparing, I don't know. Like, it's unfair to Jake Browning. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I well, it's like a Jake that un- standard. Yeah, Jake I don't Browning know. has it's a like, lot to compete with. You know, yeah, I mean, he you're does. In the Seattle yeah, it's community. I'm just trying to think. It's something unfair. It's like, it's like competing with the supernatural in a way. Like it's just, yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 separate markets competing is what is what it is. And Gardner Minshew is able to dominate in a small market, whereas Jake Browning kind of gets drowned out in a, a bigger market. Um, <laughs> I will say, there's probably personality wise, like. I feel like Jake Browning is a little more low key. Like even, I mean, he has dealt, he has, he has handled fame. Um, he knows what that, that is like, but you don't see him, you know, 
Yeah, well, there's being and he, braided he, around. Betra- I guess some would say. Is he uh, uh, patriotizing the bars like Minshew would do after victories? Like, like. Well, yeah. You know, what I, I was gonna say. I don't think so. What I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong though. Like for with, and I'm not saying that there's any malintent or anything bad, but like I think Gardner Minshew definitely plays to that persona intentionally. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Jake Browning intentionally does the exact opposite. Yeah, you know what He's I mean. He's all business, so, all corporate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or just like I don't even know. I I think I don't know how to describe it. I think, and this isn't He's a shot either because I think all He's... quarterbacks have a certain level of arrogance, and you have to. <laughs> you have um, to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Gardner Minshew was like, okay, like I'm gonna play kind of this Superman hero of this town kind of thing. Yeah, and then Jake yeah. Browning, I think, it's almost kind like of high school football embraced, style, like the yeah. elitist. <laughs> University of Washington quarterback. <laughs> you know, I think that they both yeah. had their own little take on their yeah, fame. Uh, Gardner Minshew is the homecoming king, and J- and, J- yeah, well, and, and, and not to mention just the, the just the environment of Pullman lends to having this rock star persona. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think Gardner Minshew went out of his way and said, "I am the rock star." I think he was handed this role, yeah, and he said, "All right, let's run with it." And it has taken him to wonderful places, as you can see. He is—he was in Pullman as of as of yesterday, I believe. Um, so I believe Sunday is when he left, is what some of the guys on the team were saying. But I mean, he did not need to be in Pullman from pro day until now. He was here mm-hmm. by choice. Yeah. And what other choice? If you have a choice of being some nobody in Brandon, or I mean, not a nobody, but some regular guy in Brandon, Mississippi. Or you can be the star, the the rock star. Um, or or what about the third option? Tra- training in Southern California, training in like the on the Florida Keys or something like that, and getting better and preparing for the NFL. That's also which a third he did option. for a little while. Which yeah, would be he, I mean, he could have gone right back option. to that. Yeah, but he's he's not. He stayed in Pullman, and I'm sure he's <laughs> continuing to work out. And I mean, you know, I don't even know that he, to be honest. I but, bet you WCO lets him in the facility and lets him. Of course practice. they let. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I mean, guess what? You get what I'm saying here. Is like he, he chose he chose to be here for an extended amount of time, and I don't think it's by coincidence. Like there's mm-hmm. you, he loves being the guy in the community. He loves, uh, uh, you know, autographing, doing autographs for kids. He loves all of that. So why not stay? You know, you only get to, to live this life for so long. Yeah, I, I actually said that all of last season. Like once this by next year, I don't think it'll be forgotten about by next year anymore. I, I think I said that during this past football season. Yeah, I think... I mean, no, nobody remembers. He just doesn't want freezing cold takes coming after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right. But if freezing cold so takes w- comes and listens to this podcast, I won't be upset about it. That, <laughs> that, that is also true. I would be, I would be, I would be honored to be on freezing cold takes. I want to meet Barry McCockiner. That's what I want to. I yeah. want to see. What he's oh like. my I, I want to. I want to know where he lives, what that his guy. job is. Him yeah, and um, I, think, I also love. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 what was, was that? I was just gonna. I was. I, was, I want to hear what you. Were I was gonna say, say about somebody else, but I was gonna say I also like three-year varsity Letterman. That's another yeah. account that I really the, like. The issue <laughs> with the people that run these big accounts is I feel like, and this is nothing against them. I don't. I'm not like saying that they're not impressive people. I just feel like people will always be disappointed to find out who they really are you know oh, what i mean yeah absolutely no i'm sure well, i would i'm sure i would be very disappointed what would you want them to be then be- well because you I expect these guys are <laughs> i mean they have 
they have funny tweets and stuff like that and you expect them to be original and charismatic and then you find out that they're really not that and that a lot of the content that they take is ripped off and, and or or not it's just, McCockiner. or it's just taking something and then kind of altering it and playing with kind of the formats that the formats of comedy that Twitter gives you and the memes and stuff like that like I just feel like these internet uh, personalities are not exactly who we think they are in real life. I, I would I would envision a fun loving dad in Georgia with like three kids. That is that I can a, I can almost like guarantee you that is who it who it is not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any any father of three is is doing that. But you know, I don't know. I'm maybe, sorry, like, like maybe sense of I'm wrong. And- <laughs> See, that's the thing is, fathers of three who like to go fishing and do that kind of stuff are actually charismatic and fun and personable people. Which is those what are not these people who are succeed. Like. But those aren't people who succeed well on the internet. People who succeed well yeah. on the internet are not charismatic people <laughs> they're not, who, they're, who have time to sit and, and calculate their thoughts yeah, yeah, and, get their, and approach, get their approach get their each tweet. Prepared. From, yeah, there's one <laughs> approach each tweet with a very systematic uh, effort. Those accounts but, also will tweet like during... A really random range of hours and it's like when do these like do they sleep absolutely it's like what is going on i just don't absolutely that, that actually makes it worse because they probably like have them plan like at 2 a.m post this at 7 a.m post this like they probably have it scheduled that way they probably go on like tweet deck and cue it you know what i mean yeah yeah schedule. right right that's yeah. probably it yeah, yeah maybe yeah, that makes them even less likable well, so this past uh, weekend, was, How did we I don't get even know here? why I brought that up. Yeah, no, I, said, I have no clue. I don't have. A, I I don't. Oh, the places I, you'll go on Washington <laughs> Football Crunch. But uh, so on the uh, Kook Football Saturday, there was a spring game, and I looked at some of the. Hi- I wasn't able to watch it, but I looked at the highlights of it. And I'm like, there's nobody here. Was was that actually what it was like there? Because I, I I for some yes, reason I predicted uh, more people there. Well, the weather was weather was pretty poor. Which was unfortunate because Thursday and Friday the weather was just phenomenal, and I. But I will say there was kind of this uh, this feeling, maybe this buzz around Pullman that this game was actually going to be like well attended, that that students were going to show up. And I heard more than ten thousand people were really going to be. Get into I was, it. That's what I heard. Well, that's kind of what I feel like. That's what the expectation was. I mean, people were talking about, you know. The last the, the the highest attended game was you know fifteen thousand at Joe Albee in Spokane. You know, can this game beat it? Yeah, Which yeah. I mean, it didn't yeah. even get close. It got to about <laughs> a third of that. But um, yeah, I would say I don't I don't want to say it flopped because it's a spring game, and at the end of the day, it brought in about fifty one thousand dollars to the um, the Cougar Health Fund. So I can't you can't really say it's a flop, but. Maybe kind of the expectations were a little unrealistic. Hmm, um, I don't know. I I do feel that if the weather had been better, that people would have shown up because you think all morning three thousand more gr- people would have come. I don't know. I don't. I really <laughs> don't know. I think. I mean, it was gray all morning, and, and you know, when the sun's out in Pullman, and, and when th- there's just a different feel, there's a different vibe. You see people outside and they just want to do things. And then when that sun goes away, people just crawl into their caves and all of a sudden Pullman becomes a ghost town. So, so 
What? This no, can tw- go, go. Well, I'm just, this happened twice now in like the past like six months. Because remember the outrage over the Alamo Bowl when nobody was going to that game, and this is coming oh, up. Oh, I think that's different. How popular college football game day was. This is like two strikes right now where they. they I know. I think. I think that's. I think they that's failed to deliver. The, well, well, both of them all, didn't have say, the, you can't the say, they wanted. You cannot say Pullman failed to deliver on game day. You, I'm talking, that, yeah, I'm saying coming off the heels of game day, we thought this would be a momentum play and that, you know, more people okay. would be donating and, and coming to the game. Like well, the and they are, and, they are, that's, they are donating at record numbers. It's going up. Um, which still, up. which still isn't enough, but that's another conversation for another time. I think when you, it, trying to compare it to the Alamo Bowl is tough because you have a lot of really disappointed fans at that point in time not getting the new year's six nod um the disappointment of the apple cup you know not going to los angeles or to uh phoenix and and instead having to go to san antonio which seemed like a downgrade and when in fact it totally wasn't because san antonio is a fantastic city (laughs) the alamo bowl is a fantastic bowl game again another argument for another time but today or, or excuse me, on Saturday, you have a lot of hype and anticipation around WSU football. Um, fans are excited. No one's saying this is going to be a down year. Um, people have very much uh, learned from their mistakes of trying to say, oh, this is going to be a six-win season or something like that. Um, so I think there that kind of hype around the team and, and having this game back in Pullman – and if you try, if you could have paired that with a with a nice day, nice spring day, to try and you know get some of those those Cougar football Saturday feels back in in the fans, it would have been more highly attended. But it just wasn't. There wasn't the element of the nice spring day, so I think that's probably what held back the students from coming. But you know, I could be, I could be wrong. I, I don't was, want that was to... one third of the uh, the weekend events. I mean, the golf tournament at least that lived up. The to golf, oh, the golf tournament was phenomenal. Oh, that that certainly Did lived play? up to the hype. Uh, no, I didn't get to play. <laughs> unfortunately, um, I wasn't invited to play either. Was that the Police Ridge? I didn't. I didn't. Yes, it was. Ugh. It was a phenomenal golf course. Um, and I mean, just you know, just being around there and watching all these, you know, remarkable Cougar Cougar former Cougar quarterbacks come through and, and, and be able to talk to them. And I mean, just everything, uh, you know, get, get this. So uh, a former uh, WCU quarterback from, from the seventies who, who they ran the, the veer offense back in, in, it was uh, when Jim, Jim Sweeney was, Jim Sweeney was a coach. Yes. Right. You know, they're running. So they're running the wishbone back in the early seventies and, and his, the quarterback's name was John Hopkins. Um, you know, if you want to make a joke there, <laughs> I, I, I would assume so. Um, but so today now he is coaching at Matter Day High School. And oh, that's sick. That's sick as hell. Yeah. No, right? Isn't that, isn't quarterbacks, that a cool, is he coaching uh, quarterbacks cool little or? anecdote? No, no. He's an assistant defensive coach, actually. Oh, but um, or he's assistant. No, he's assistant. He's the assistant head coach. Associate head coach or assistant head coach. I don't really know, nor do I really know the difference. But anyways, um, so their their national championship game against Dallas, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, their their national championship game in 2018 was against De La Salle, who runs the runs the Veer or Wishbone offense, whatever you like to call it. Clutch. Um, yeah. So this WSU quarterback brought out 
his old playbook from 1970. Oh, was it 72? I mean, I think he was there from 70 to 73, I think is what it is. I, I could be wrong on that. Just edit it out if I'm, if I am, (laughs) uh, but I mean, so here you have this quarterback, WCU quarterback who played in the seventies is now using his experience running the veer offense to help stop De La Salle or help matter day hold De La Salle to under a hundred yards rushing in the national championship game. Wow. And you know, I got, I got to hear him tell that story, which was just, I mean, phenomenal. Um, so there's just all sorts of little anecdotes like that, that you hear, um, talking to Ed Blunt, who was the first African American quarterback at WSU, he was there. Oh, that's awesome! Um, yeah. Ryan Leaf getting to he, he Ryan Leaf was was um he was very serious that day and and rightfully so he had a big talk to do or he was doing a, um, a speech at WSU uh, about his story. Um, so he was you know in the zone, I guess you could say, um, you know. Connor he was kind Halliday. of a spokesperson. He was kind of a spokesperson for the event. Ryan Leaf. He was. I mean, he was kind of yeah. explaining what they were yeah. doing and, and well, yeah. along and, with the and, story. Oh, and, and yeah, and I mean Jack Thompson there, who was he was kind of running the show, and he had this really, you know, inspirational talk. I guess you could say to kind of some of these younger younger quarterbacks, saying like, you know, guys, for the most part, I'm running the show here, but I'm getting older, and I need younger WSU quarterbacks to start taking the reins and was really like challenging the younger WSU quarterbacks, younger graduated WSU quarterbacks of the, of the WSU quarterback fraternity um, to kind of take the reins on events like these so that, you know, the WSU quarterback fraternity doesn't get lost in history and and it's still, it's still, you know, an operating thing and it's something that's conscious on the public or, you know, at least Cougar fans minds. Um, so that was really cool. I just, the entire thing was, was, Wait, really was fun. there any Luke Falk shout out? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, yes, there was, there was a Luke Falk shout, shout out. Uh, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't be here for, for obvious reasons, you know, um, which is, you know, he's working out for, for the NFL season, um, and lives in Miami, which is kind of a, you know, that's a tough, tough, uh, order to get back to Coleman <laughs> for a, for a golf event. direct flight. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, it was just it was just a lot of fun. I had a I had a fantastic time and got to meet a lot of really cool people. So during the uh, spring game the next day, uh, there were some very cool dudes in town. A lot of uh, highly mm-hmm. touted prospects from the class of 2020. If I were to list them off, could you give us your thoughts on each of them? Uh, uh, we'll just kind of go with some of the bigger ones. Not not yeah. Like your I, thoughts I mean, like your thoughts on their thoughts. Like like what like did, did they seem yeah like, okay like rude like they they, yeah. they enjoy I can it? Like, I can do my I can do my best. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with just the biggest name on the board. I mean, Savelle Smalls. Yeah. I mean, what was he? I mean, was this was he a rock star there too? Like, was he getting autographs? Was he? I mean, can he even sign autographs? Like, no, he, I don't think like, he was. No, he pictures. wasn't. He can take pictures. Okay, the thing is, I spent most of the pregame looking for Savelle Smalls, trying to you know get a little you know talk to him, see what he had to say, and I didn't see him during pregame. You know, when like usually all the fashionably late, of all course. the prospects are are standing you know on the sideline and stuff like that. Um, but I did see him after the game. Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him because we were doing the group, uh, the the group media availability. You had talked to the actual he, players. Ugh. He, yeah, I had, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and he was walking into the locker room with Eric Mele, so he is being well taken care of. However, you know, I, I I think last week I was talking. I don't know if we talked about it. I don't know. This was my thought going into the week. That is, if there is a time 
to make the pitch to Savelle Smalls. It is going to be at this game where there's supposedly going to be a high turnout. The weather is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a beautiful Pullman day. And, and Savelle Smalls is going to say, is going to have this wonderful, this is Pullman. Whatever you've heard about Pullman is probably not true. Here is Pullman. And that was like not the case of what I thought it was like, you know, 5,000 people there. The weather was pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> I don't know how his trip went, to be honest. I mean, maybe he thought it was fantastic. I, I just don't know. And I hope he got uh, a better perception of what Pullman actually is, opposed to what, you know, the hundreds of Husky fans try and tell him, you know, that it's just a, a dumpster fire of a town, <laughs> stuff like that, middle of he nowhere. He hears that all is. the time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he hears it all the time. Um, which at a certain point you probably start to believe it. But I hope that there was a sense that he, and even if he doesn't decide to come to WSU, I hope he got a taste of what Pullman is like. Cause you know, I think, I feel like that's important for people in this state who have an opinion about WSU or opinion on any place for that matter, which I am so hypocritical about as we, I mean, I, as we talked about at the top of the show, me being, uh, uh, I guess critical of Buffalo, though I've never been to Buffalo. Um, but you know, I think it's important to be able to to see Pullman and see why people love it so much. Because if you if you do catch it on a, on a good day, you know, and when the sun's out and stuff like that, you you learn quickly why people love it so much. There was a defensive end from Michigan there named Sterling Miles, and th- this is an unofficial visit, which means the university is not picking up the mm. check for this. So is so is Savelle Smalls. Well, he's driving like from like Bergen. I mean, yeah. I mean that's that's just a that's four true. hour, five hour commute. Yeah. But I mean, if you come from Michigan, do these guys really spend a couple thousand dollars just to come out here for the weekend? I mean, if you include plane tickets and the parents and meals and hotel, like that's an yeah. expensive ass weekend for for to not be. For, for, first of all, you're probably not even going to go there. I mean, might, but I mean, there's well, probably you're probably not. But hey, I mean, that's a, if that you're if like you're paying, if you're willing to pay that kind of money or your family's willing to pay that kind of money to come out and, and see it. Um, I, I do believe it. There is a certain level of interest there. I mean, you wouldn't have done that. Okay. You, you know, and, I got and, this weekend available. Like, <laughs> yeah. Go, and I moment. mean, I don't, is he, a, he's not ready. To, he's not old enough to take an official visit yet. I don't think so. You know, you kind of have to wait on that. Um, but you know, I th- I feel like if if you're willing to come across the country, well not a, a, not fully across, but if you're willing to go from Michigan to Pullman, um, there is probably a level of interest there, and and I guess for what it's worth, the defensive line played particularly well in the spring game, so I don't know yeah, why yeah, that yeah. would lure him, but <laughs> you know, hey, I think that would be it would be great to have him. And then there was a quarterback from uh, Southern California, like Brentwood. His name's Jay Butterfield. He's a four-star prospect, and I heard that he liked uh, he liked the setup. He thought it might be a good fit for him. He's got another. He's got yeah, why can't I? I don't know what quarterback goes there and thinks, huh? Well, I don't think leading. I don't think I don't think leading the nation in passing attempts would be a good fit for me. You know. I don't want to pass the ball more. So I feel like a lot of quarterbacks kind of walk into that and, and think of the possibilities of what could be and think, yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Um, 
but you know, and well, there was all, and there, I mean, I don't know if you're about to get to him, but I was going to say the other, the Kentucky quarterback. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Lexington, big he was, city boy. He, yes. He was at the golf event, which I mean, what a phenomenal uh, event for a prospective quarterback to attend. That's actually kind of genius. Right. And that's what I, I was really hoping that Savelle Smalls was in town a day earlier because the weather was yeah, well, nice. Unfortunately, he has school, so it's not. It's not. He can. Yeah, right. I'm. You know, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but I was gonna say, like, that would have been. You know, if you want to get a taste of of the history of WCU football and, and what WCU football means to some people, like that was the event to go to. Um, so I really was wishing that he would have been there, but unfortunately, he was not for the the reasons you probably just stated right there that he had school. So you're telling me that Bo Allen, the Lexington, Kentucky prospect, was at the uh, quarterback uh, day, the, you know, the what's it called the QB Pro Day or something like that? What's uh, the, the QB, the, uh, the quarterback classic, yeah, Q- Cougar quarterback. quarterback classic. And yeah. the one guy that I wanted to see there, I didn't go at all, but if I did go, the one guy I really want to talk to was Aaron Angelos, and he wasn't even there. So Aaron, Aaron, uh, oh yes, that's right. Well, that, that was oh, bullshit, dude. Well, <laughs> no, Aaron, uh, Aaron Angelos, Gunner Cruz, and. Uh, John Even Bledsoe. No, Cam and Cooper. No, John Bledsoe was there. Cam and Cooper wasn't there. It was Cam and Cooper who wasn't there, and they were all. I know Gunnar Cruz was at uh, Pullman Regional Hospital making the rounds there, like visiting um, kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's and and I, th- I, I, I would, I believe that. I mean, I don't know. Although I might, I think I kind of suspect that the other quarterbacks Nobody, were there with. None of the kids know who Gunnar Cruz is. Why would they care if he came in? Hey, you show up in the gear. He's obviously a WCU football player. <laughs> Looking the That's part. cool, man. If you're forgetting, these are kids who grow up in the Pullman area. Right, they're the Spokane Palouse. kids. Like, they're Spokane kids. That is not even Spokane kids. Was the, was the hospital Spokane in Spokane kids. or in Pullman? Pull, no, Pullman Regional Hospital. Okay, okay, all right. So this is a Pullman high, This is a Pullman hospital, and you know, getting to see those guys, I would imagine that's that's pretty cool for some of those kids. So after the spring game, uh, you know, Mike Leach uh, was uh, talking as he should be. And mm-hmm. here's what he said about uh, his spring game compared to other spring games. Although some of our opponents do this business where they kind of play touch and don't compete in anything, have a nice couple drills, and then pretend it's a spring game, I mean, that was kind of... Cough, kinda cough. I wonder, I wonder who that was about. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I just I think it's I I do I think either coaching staff cares about what either coaching staff has to say? No, not really. I just think it's I mean, fun high school coaches for the fanfare that. of it. For the fanfare of it, really, you know? I think there's tremendous respect on both sides, but definitely you can th- you see Peterson just sitting here wondering like how the hell does this guy keep winning? Like this I mean he's just it's everything seems so unstable, everything like there seems just no method to this madness and it's works. Like I feel like a lot of coaches feel that way about Mike Leach. Um, and at times I feel that way about Mike Leach. I look at what is going on at practices and stuff like that. And it's just like, this seems ridiculous, <laughs> but um, they win. So who am I, who am I to judge? I suppose. Well, one thing that coach Peterson and coach Lee both, both have in common is that the quarterback battles, they're very, uh, careful with that, and they want to give everybody an opportunity, and it's going to be it's going to be drawn out for a very long time. And with Jacob Easton right now at UW, there were some 
reports early in spring ball that he wasn't, you know, picking up the offense really fast. You know, he's he's got some uh, rust that he has to get rid of. You know, not playing for a couple of years now. And sometimes as fans, you can kind of hear that and think that's just coach speak. You know, you could literally go into spring ball and assume that the coaches were going to say something similar to him having rust that he needs to get rid of before he really starts to shine. But since those early parts of spring ball, I mean, we're getting closer to the end now. There still hasn't been much positive talk coming out about Jacob Eason. Is there any room for concern at this point in spring ball? Yeah, here's... Here's an interesting anecdote uh, that you we can take for what it's worth here because it's it's not necessarily worth a whole lot. But uh, my brother, who I was texting uh, the other day, who is now, uh, for those who are not following as closely to the John Gardner uh, tale that I am, he is now an offensive assistant or an offensive quality control assistant. Um, and he texted really? me. Really? Yes. For UW? Yes, for University of Washington. That's unbelievable. Um, yes. Uh, Congratulations, yes. John! Yes. Jeez. Uh, round, round, of, round of applause for John here. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was texting me about Jacob Sermon. "Quote: He had one of the better throws I have ever seen in practice yesterday." Jacob Sermon, Jacob Sermon, we're talking about here. I've ever seen. I, I don't know if what he meant there was better throws I've ever seen him make. Or better throws I've ever seen. Period. That's a, that's a huge range. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that would be a huge range there. But he did not. He did say, "quote He had one of the better throws I've ever seen in practice yesterday." Sorry, John, if you thought that was a private conversation, <laughs> it was not. Nothing is private when you Leaked. talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it can. This quarterback battle can be whatever you want it to be. It can be Chris Peterson putting on an act, and and Easton's gonna be the start of Week One. Anything else is just absolutely ridiculous. Or it could be what you're saying that, hey, Hayner is a good quarterback. Okay, we have to stop pretending that he's the joke. And then you have people saying, no, he is a joke. <laughs> he can't do it. So it could be well, I think I think the, right the most, the, the biggest development in this quarterback uh, battle in UW is probably the emergence of, and I mean, we talked about a little bit about it last week, probably the emergence of, of Jacob Sermon. And, and, you know, we we're talking about the good things that people are talking about or writing about him. Um, I certainly said last week that if he were really being considered for the backup job or, you know, the starting job, he, they would be playing him like he was, um, which, you know, from the reports I've heard, they weren't. So knowing what we know now, which is he has made one of the better throws my brother has ever seen and people are make having writing good reports about him and people are skeptical about what Easton can do is Jacob Sermon the third piece to this puzzle that we are really excluding right now when you put money on Easton over Hayner the margin isn't that far and i i mean rule of thumb gambling 101 is if the option is one person against the field you always take the field hey, i i want to say congratulations to Jacob Sermon for getting baptized I think that's pretty cool. I, I personally that. think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, saw I thought that. he might and have guess, been, but... Get this. The guy who baptized him, I know, Brooks August. Well, I mean, you're from he, the same city. <laughs> I know. I've met him. I've talked to him. I talked to him tons of times. He used to come by North Shore Junior High and uh, do, you know, uh, young, you know, like young yeah, life yeah, uh, events. Group, yeah. Yeah, kind, yeah. You know, except... 
I mean, Even I don't know. Young. I, you know, yeah, exactly. He was, he, when he was doing this, come uh, by, the yeah. deed, he was like holding Sermon's arm. I'm like, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like, the arm's made out of gold. Like, don't just make him touch his chest if he doesn't have to. But all right, we got to start getting the hell out of here right now. Uh, CW spring game is not this Saturday, but next Saturday. I feel really bad for the two redshirt freshman quarterbacks on the roster right now. Taijon Mizutani, who came from St. Louis High School in Hawaii, which is where UW's getting a lot of their top recruits right now. Also where Marcus Mariota came from. Uh, he's going to have to transfer. And then Cannon Racanelli, Sawyer Racanelli's brother, he's also going at the transfer because redshirt sophomore Christian Moore is the freaking man. He's going to be a starter for the next three years. So uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my prediction right now. <laughs> No, but seriously, if you're a Washington football fan, you better know who Christian Moore is. I mean, he's going to be the face of the Wildcats. I mean, if you listen to this podcast and you don't know who Christian Moore is by now, I feel like every... <laughs> he is he is brought up at every outro of this podcast. <laughs> well, because I, I shoved the CW talk until the very end. It's only yes, fair. Yeah. Which is fair. Uh, we're back next Tuesday talking uh, draft fallout, our reactions to that. Uh, Jackson, you got a well-deserved break right now because, um, yeah. you know, W Spring Ball is all wrapped up. Luke, you got another couple of weeks of Dogman coverage. And then once June... Wait, no. Yeah, it's Spring Ball Games next... Oh, yeah, it is next yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Is, it, is it this Saturday? Oh, shoot. It's a Saturday, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. Well, we almost forgot to plug it, so... <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, because it sucks, yeah. Cause, uh, and then once uh, June kicks off, I'll be covering high school football for Cascadia Preps. Ryland Spencer and Scott Eklund have the West Side and Vancouver teams on lockdown, and I'll be doing uh, information on Spokane, Tri-Cities, Yakima, Wenatchee. So that's what we got coming up. For updates on the local football scene, follow us on Twitter and send us a tweet at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. We love interacting with you guys. For myself, Luke and Jackson, we are signing off. Thank you guys for listening.